0: Sisters always look back nostalgically on the the those days. Um, but it's all what you take away from it now. And it's at 40 years, I think there's so much more we could do, and there's so much that we've done.
1: That was Sister Annie Cockledo of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast. You'll hear from activists, bartenders, teachers, and other San Franciscans, telling stories, sharing personal histories, and trying to put into words what makes this city so special. Welcome to Episode 20, Part 2. In Part 1, Sister Annie talked about becoming an activist early in her life, and how that naturally led her to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. In this podcast, she'll talk about moving to the East Bay and bringing a presence for the Sisters to that area. She'll also reflect on what it means for the sisters to turn 40 this weekend. Speaking of, to celebrate their anniversary, the sisters are holding a big party in Dolores Park on Sunday that will include the return of the Hunky Jesus contest to its original location. Here's Sister Annie.
0: So um, I'm the 26th Royal Grand Duchess of all of Alameda in Contra Costa County. Um, For those of you who don't know what either one of those things are, Um, Those are the East Bay of San Francisco. Um, So I represent the community of Alameda, which is all of the uh, Oakland area. And then Contra Costa County is basically the other side of the hill. Uh, Walnut Creek, for those of you who want to do some Googling and figure all this out. Um, And I ran for Grand Duchess, uh, gosh, now almost two years ago. Um, I've been a part of the the sisters for many years and I um, enjoy a lot of the uh, drag community here in San Francisco when I lived here and I got in, uh, interested in hanging out with some of the Imperial court um, San Francisco Imperial Court is uh, over 55 years old and they are here in San Francisco they started here in San Francisco um, in the early 60s um, and as the sisters came around, came around in 79, um, the two organizations kind of you know, helped supported the early AIDS epidemic and the community at the time. And uh, from there, a lot of uh, groups started to kind of meld together. Um, and the sisters support the Imperials, and the Imperials come out and support the sisters. And I, because I lived over in the East Bay, um, or I moved over to the East Bay, I couldn't uh, run for uh, any of the monarch titles here in San Francisco so I was like well the sisters don't really have a presence in the East Bay and there's this organization that does do charity work in the East Bay what why not join the two and get them to be more involved and more out in the community so I um, went to the meetings of the Alameda Ducal Council and uh, started petitioning and asking questions and finding out about the group and um, when it came available for me to run for Grand Duchess I submitted my application and um, was elected because it's a community-based election and that allowed me to kind of bridge the gap between the sisters and the East Bay Um, a lot of sisters live over there but they still come here into San Francisco to uh, to support the community here Um, but I felt a calling to serve the community in the East Bay Um, and the sisters take vows to serve the community Um, and as a monarch I took an oath of office to serve the community so what I ended up doing a lot of was not only educating the court system about the sisters of perpetual indulgence but also educating the sisters about the court system Um, and I had you know a lot of opposition uh, in the court system because people would be like oh you can't be a sister and be a monarch. Um, You can't do this and you can't do that. And it was like, it's all make-believe. It's all (laughs) make-believe. Like, this is not my life. Um, I don't get paid to do this. And I really, it's to serve the community. And so. say eyes on the prize. yeah. Uh, Yeah. And you'd be surprised at how many people don't make that connection. And so, a lot of times I simply say, you know, I took vows to serve the community, I took an oath to serve the community, I'm serving my community. Um, And with that, I also traveled all over the United States within the court system and really for the first time brought the Ducal Court, which is, uh, there are only two Ducal Courts in all of the United States and Canada, um, here in San Francisco and oddly enough right in Alameda. and. there's some fun history there, it depends on who you talk to, but there's some history between that. But really to focus on the sisters, I manifested as a sister, represented myself as a grand duchess, and traveled to 20 some odd coronations all throughout the United States. Uh, I went to Night of a Thousand Gallons, which is a gala event in New York City, uh, put on by the New York court, um, and I was the only sister there. Um, Now, there are sisters that are involved with the imperial court system that have run for titles, um, but they usually separate their drag persona from their sister persona. And I am literally the first sister to not separate themselves and to be a monarch as a sister of perpetual indulgence. Um, And it really means a lot to me to be breaking that barrier, because in these times, um, Organizations like the Sisters and the Imperial Court are dwindling. The community they the community's oversaturated with organizations. There's one of everything, um, and really, it's—it's it's divided us uh, in, in in a lot of ways, in—in um, in some good and some bad. But it's—it's it's divided us and it's—it's it's splintered us. And when you bring your true self to an organization. You bring other people who see themselves in you to that group and you'd be surprised at how easily it is to be like oh I see myself in you and therefore you feel welcomed when you go to that event you feel welcomed when you show up because you see something similar Um, and this year's monarchs are doing the same thing Uh, every year they we elect monarchs and I hope that next year's monarchs do the same thing and it it really it's all about how do we give back and how do we give back at that dollar level like every dollar counts and it's something the sisters taught me every penny counts uh, from when we would do penny drives on the corner of 18th and Castro Um, we would literally people would bring laundry money and dump laundry money to us and and I go every tip raises money in and in my year as a monarch we raised twenty thousand dollars through tips and at drag shows and at fundraisers but that's what it's about it's about giving back and making that dollar count um, and so we we focus on small nonprofits in the East Bay and we raise money for them uh, we raised money for the Oakland LGBT Center which was the first LGBT Center in Oakland and we're in twenty, you know, twenty nineteen, and it's only been there for a little over a year. Wow! So you can see how the communities are still needing a presence outside of these metropolitan areas. There's still a, a cry for community and cry for um, that connection amongst uh, like-minded people
1: and resources, also. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and the resources you don't you don't realize they're completely different uh, when you're in a suburb uh, than when you're in a city. Um, so like Oakland has a lot of homeless people and our homeless people are very different than the homeless people in San Francisco. Um, and so we've handed out sandwiches um, at the underpass of the freeways where they're in their tents. We've given away tents, we've given away sleeping bags. Those are the kind of things you can do um, to really make a difference in the community.
1: So you've been a sister for about,
0: you said, 16, About 15, 15 years. years. Do you? What are your thoughts on the
1: sisters at 40?
0: At 40, well, they've held up well. <laughs> um, I wouldn't necessarily say that about Roma, but, you know, we'll leave that for a different story. No, um, really, 40 years, um, people didn't think we'd make it 40 years. There were times in the 80s that the organization didn't, or almost didn't make it. During my time as the sisters, we've, uh, we raised, uh, for the 30th, uh, for our 30th anniversary, we raised a little over $200,000 just here in San Francisco. Um, we gave away at our 30th anniversary $30,000. That was the high point of the sisters uh, financially. Um, sisters always look back nostalgically on the, the, those days... Um, but it's all what you take away from it now. And it's, at 40 years, I think there's so much more we could do. And there's so much that we've done. And the joy is, as new members come in, they learn from what we did. And they do what they want to do. And we continue on. And we keep manifesting a new version of ourselves at 40. And there's not many organizations that can say they've changed as time has progressed. We went from predominantly an AIDS-focused organization to giving away money to uh, Two Spirit, which is a Native American um, LGBT group. We've given away money to uh, you know, Rocket Dog Rescue, who helps rescue dogs. Pause. Uh, people with AIDS and pet, uh, pets uh, are a wonderful support. Wonderful. Pets are wonderful support. support. Yes. Um, Larkin Street Youth Services, uh, Lyric. We've given away lots of money to all sorts of different organizations, both here in the Bay Area as well as nationwide. We've helped many, many organizations all throughout the uh, United States, um, just by the money that we've raised here in San Francisco. Nice. So. Do you, uh, you want to speak to the future of the sisters at all? Like, Ooh. the next... F- oh. <laughs> so, um, I think the San Francisco sisters are challenged right now. Um, we were known for our big events. Uh, we used to do Halloween here in the Castro. Um, and then we did Pink Saturday, uh, which I helped r- run for many years. Um, and then we were a main partner of Folsom Street events all of those things have changed in the 40 years and now we are we are no longer doing Halloween we no longer do pink Saturday uh, we're no longer main sponsor our main uh, beneficiary of Folsom Street uh, so we don't have the income we used to have but we're still relevant and what's going to make us relevant for another 40 to 100 years depends on what we decide to do. And I think um, during my time as a sister, it was all about raising money and giving back. And I think now it's about the activism and getting back to our roots as a political activists in the community. We were one of the first to put out a safe sex manual back in the, the 80s when nobody talked about sex. And here we are in the air of a president who doesn't support LGBT community, uh, doesn't support people in general, and the sisters are doing everything they can to fight back. Um, and we we really look at ourselves as the um, the litmus test. You know, if you make it past us, then wow, They're, You know, if if we're ever no longer relevant. Either the world has gone to a utopia or the opposite. And unfortunately, right now, I don't know if the opposite is where we're headed, but I know the sisters are fighting it every, every step of the way, both here domestically in, in the Bay Area, but also within the United States. We have more orders in the United States than we've ever had before. We have orders in Canada. Um, we have orders in Europe, Australia, South America. So we have orders everywhere and we're more relevant now than we have been ever. And I think that shows the political climate that we're in. And again, it's no longer about just fundraising. It's about pushing back and making sure our rights are being heard. So I will say, um, I'm known for my jewelry um, and people are always like, oh, why do you wear a lot of jewelry or you know, oh, what's that about? And I was like, well, I don't paint a pretty face. I'm not a sister Roma. I don't have that flawless skin. Um, so I want to distract. So I'll pull you away from my face and onto the pretty bling that I wear. Um, so yeah, it, it works. It's a gimmick, but we all have to have it. And that's mine. <laughs>
1: That was Sister Annie Cockle concluding our Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence at 40 series of podcasts. Join us next week when we'll hear from Caring Cowgirl owner Liz Beeson. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you want to stay up to date on everything we do. Find the nearly 70 episodes on our website, storiedsf.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. If that happens to be Apple Podcasts and you have a minute or two to spare, please rate and review the show for us. Send comments or suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.